How to Cover Money, Tips from Top Journalists. Today on How to Cover Money, a look at millennials and money. Millennials are not that different from a lot of other generations. Um, we're not kind of aliens from another planet. Um, we approach you know, money in a sensible way. Hello, and welcome to the Reynolds Center podcast. We're coming to you from the Donald W. Reynolds National Center for Business Journalism. We're based at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University. I'm Mickey Maynard, director of the Reynolds Center, and with me is our co-host, Mark Remillard. He's a Cronkite alum and a reporter and anchor at KTAR Radio. Hello, Mark. Hi, Mickey. Today we bring you Series 2, Episode 3 of How to Cover Money. We have a very special guest with us today in the studio. Uh, why don't you in- introduce him, Mickey? Yes, I'm very pleased to introduce Ryan Bossy, who's a graduate student at the Cronkite School and a graduate assistant with the Reynolds Center. He's the creator of our column called Millennials and Money. You can see all of Ryan's stories on our website, businessjournalism.org. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Um, Why don't you give our listeners a little background about yourself and then tell us how you came up with the idea for Millennials and Money. All right. Well, I graduated um, college in 2012, and I started working at my hometown paper, uh, daily paper in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, the Fergus Falls Daily Journal, where I covered everything from sports to local businesses to education. Um, And then about two years of doing that, I came, after about two years of doing that, I came to uh, Cronkite School um, to study uh, journalism a little more in depth. Okay. Um, I we came up with the idea for uh, millennials and money is just kind of kicking around um, story ideas. Uh, you were a part of them at the uh, Reynolds Center, and um, we I really have this interest in in millennials because I am one, um, and it just kind of came about uh, thinking about millennial issues, um, whether they're social, um, they involve money, uh, things like that, and we kind of just decided to attach millennials with money and see what kind of stories came about. And just so that our listeners understand, we're talking about people who were born when? Um, the de- the exact definition kind of goes around a little bit, but um, generally millennials are considered uh, people who were born after 1980. So tell us some of the basic things that people should know about millennial, the millennial generation. I'm one of them, too, and, and the way that we think about money. Some of the basics with millennial and money, is, I think, is, you know, millennials are not that different from a lot of other generations. Um, we're not kind of aliens from another planet. Um, we approach, you know, money, I think, sensibly and, uh, you know, really with a uh, kind of a sensible, in a sensible way. So there's been a lot of um, kind of outside um, influences, like millennials entering the job market when during a recession, after a recession, um, taking on a lot of student loans. So millennials aren't making a lot of large purchases, purchases right now. They're not um, maybe buying cars, maybe not buying houses as much as other generations in the past. Um, and they're really buying more into personal items um, like mobile devices and things like that because, uh, one, they help, um, they're interested in them. I think the millennial generations grew up with technology and they're very interested in things like iPhones and um, iPads and stuff like that. But they also um, help with uh, starting up, you know, businesses, which is something they like to do. Um, It helps them express themselves creatively. It helps them create podcasts and stuff like that. (laughs) Did what you were looking at here involve the fact that millennials are so interested in moving into urban areas, too? The fact that, like, does that play a role in this, that we're not buying houses, we're not buying cars because we want to live? A lot of millennials are moving into these urban areas where we don't have to have cars. We're renting apartments rather than buying homes. Mm -hmm. Did you come across anything like that? Yeah, definitely. There's been a lot of reports out there that um, millennials 
millennials are looking to live the kind of the city lifestyle, um, and they want to live it affordably. I think that's another important point. Um, a lot of a lot of them are moving to interesting places like Buffalo and Cleveland and Detroit, and kind of revitalizing these areas, not just because they're cheap either, but because they can get that um, that city lifestyle, but they can also have uh, careers, dedicated careers, and kind of creative outlets that help revitalize cities that kind of have that opportunity to cultivate neat cultural um, aspects in their businesses and in their cities. So one of the areas that you've written a lot for businessjournalism.org is the whole issue of student loans. Mm -hmm. And apparently there's now more student loan debt in this country than there is credit card debt. And it's a big overhang for the millennial generation and even for older folks. I think the Obamas just paid off their student loans a few Mm -hmm. years ago. So you had some great stories on our website. One was about the Corinthian College's students Mm -hmm. and the other one was about something that's going on at Stanford. So I wondered if you could first talk about Corinthian Mm -hmm. and then tell us about what's happening at Stanford. Well, the Corinthian um, Corinthian Corinthian Colleges is um, a for-profit uh, company that uh, was accused of using um, kind of predatory predatory uh, business practices, um, getting students to take out loans, um, federally subsidized loans, um, to go to school and maybe not offering the best education, um, not getting them in positions to where they can their degrees are worthwhile. And a group called the Corinthian 15 um, decided that they were not going to pay back their student loans because they uh, felt that they were misled in their education. And it kind of sparked this larger conversation because student loan debt has reached over a trillion dollars in the United States. It kind of started this wider conversation about um, that had been going on for a little bit, but kind of now put a, a bigger face on it. The Corinthian 15 um, kind of sparked this conversation about, you know, is it going to be too much of a burden for um, this generation, millennials? There's been a lot of lo- uh, a lot of people looking at what millennials can and can't do because they have so much student loan debt coming out of college. And I think this group kind of said, "Hey, we don't think this is fair. We were misled um, in our in our education, but." As a wider generation, this is really unfair, and it's going to be stifling uh, to this generation as they move forward. Um, and then with Stanford, um, the story I did on Stanford uh, was kind of looking at this trend of free tuition for middle-class students um, who go to elite universities. Um, I think Bloomberg had a list of 10 elite universities that uh, offer free tuition, um, and in some cases, free room and board and tuition, uh, for students who are... Um, middle-class students. So they might not get enough money in financial aid um, because their parents make too much money, um, but they're by no means uh, very wealthy. So they they still take on a huge burden when they take out student loans. Um, So colleges like Stanford um, just set marks where they um, offer free uh, education to middle-class students if their parents make less than 100000 But Stanford recently increased that to 125 And really what, it, um, what it's saying is, is that uh, it's kind of indicating this, this trend to take off kind of this burden that's being put on this generation. Because really, in the future, it could be very stifling um, when there's over a trillion dollars. Uh, there's people still have to pay off a trillion dollars in student loan debt. That could be really stifling to a generation that wants to open businesses, that wants to buy houses eventually, that want to buy cars eventually, want to buy things, go on vacation. Um, That could be very stifling in the future. You 
did a lot of stories on, um, or a series of stories on millennial entrepreneurs and how they're using their passions to, mm-hmm. to start businesses. Uh, what are some of those people that you've come across in, in some of your stories? Well, in that series, we highlighted these real two interesting, uh, three interesting people. Um, the first was a self-proclaimed yo-yo man. Um, he, was, he was very fun to talk to. Um, but his, uh, his job, his career, has been uh, around yo-yos. Um, he has been on Letterman, Stupid Tricks, doing um, funny tricks you know, to, on national television. Um, but he's a speaker, a motivational speaker, a keynote speaker, um, and he really talks about uh, failure and uh, how important that is, um, whether it's a, in a business, whether it's in life. Um, because obviously playing with yo-yos, not just playing with yo-yos, um, making a career out of yo-yos, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, sorry, the pun. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about the pun. Um, but there's a lot of ups and downs, and there's going to be some failure. And he kind of created this career around this passion that he had. Um, the second was uh, kind of a Q&A with this local uh, couple who started their own theater here in Glendale, Arizona. Um, and they started their own theater after they uh, after they graduated from Northern Arizona University. And really, it was very interesting because they were kind of branching out to attract their own generation. They were trying to attract millennials. Um, they were trying to attract young people, not only just to come and watch, but to be involved and to act and create um, opportunities for people who wanted to be like them and continue in their passion. Um, so they did this, these cool things, like one of the things that sticks out is they created like a theater Netflix where you could buy a subscription, monthly subscription, and come see any play you wanted as many times in a month. Um, so really they were kind of taking this passion and being innovative in uh, really a way I think that highlights kind of the uniqueness of this generation. So one of the other things that you wrote about was Etsy. The oh. Etsy um, IPO, which so for anyone who doesn't know what Etsy is, it's a marketplace where people sell handmade crafts, they sell vintage things, they sell, you know, what I'd call found objects that they buy at garage sales and clean up or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, Etsy is one of those things that's really attracted to attracted a lot of millennial sellers. Mm-hmm. So you wrote about the IPO. Yeah. Um, and really, the IPO and uh, the amount that they were looking for, um, you know, going public, really kind of just showed how there are these marketplaces popping up across the country. Um, Etsy uh, allows uh, young people, it allows everyone, but really a lot of young people to um, get creative and to sell creative items uh, in a large market. Um, a lot of people go on there and create some really interesting and cool things. And whether you're a painter or a craftsman or something like that, you can go on there and uh, really sell some neat items. Um, but I've seen a lot of other types of you know these services pop up, whether they're kind of related like Uber or there's some delivery services where if you have a bike and you're young and you want to deliver you know fast food to people who don't want to leave their house, then you can do that. Um, and it's a great way to make some money on the side. And uh, I think it's really um, kind of indicative, like I said before, to this generation where they're willing to do stuff um, that's creative. They're willing to work hard if it means picking up a little extra cash here or there. I'm going to bet that there are a lot of older reporters listening to our podcast, I mean, older than 25, um, that have no idea how to get started doing stories about millennials, and yet their editors, um, both broadcast and print, are very interested in covering the millennial generation. So if you were talking to like a reporter who was like, in their late 30s or early 40s, and you know, what would you tell them? How would you get started covering the millennial generation. Well, I can't emphasize this enough that we are not that strange of a generation. <laughs> we have 
you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, we probably have a lot more in common um, than you would think. And so um, I don't think that, I think that's the first thing people have to get over is that there's no secret code to to figuring us out. There's no, you don't have to listen through an iPhone or anything like that. There's, there's nothing really that's, that's that challenging about us. We, we want to, you know, we want to follow our dreams. We want to do things. Um, we want to start businesses. We want to be creative in our careers. Um, we want to be passionate about our careers. So I think that's the first thing to get over is that um, we're really not that strange. Um, but I think um, one thing to really uh, help people cover millennials and money is is to go out and look. Even if you're in a small town like I was as a reporter, um, you're going to find uh, millennials starting businesses, starting side career, you know, side businesses and side careers. Um, millennials aren't just being entrepreneurs by starting Twitter or Facebook. They're all over the place. Um, when I was a reporter, I covered a small business that was started by a um, church youth group, 18 to 20-year-olds who wanted to create their own cafe and have a cool place to hang out in town. And so they got funding from their um, church group and they started their own coffee shop. They enjoyed making coffee and they enjoyed having, uh, you know, a nice place to congregate. Um, there's every, they're everywhere. Millennials are everywhere and they're doing really interesting things in the business world to um, really express themselves, to express their passions, but to make careers out of it. So really, I think the biggest thing, too, is to realize that millennials are everywhere, um, they're making money everywhere, and they're really making these new, exciting businesses in every part of the country. You're one of the writers of uh, Must Read Money Stories, which the rental sends out every day. Mm -hmm. um, let's, tell us about that a little bit and what you do. Um, well, what we do with those stories is find four every weekday, find four really important um, stories that are maybe not just important, but interesting um, money stories that really people should be reading about and kind of give an in-depth look into uh, money. Um, I, I don't have a specific focus with millennials when I write those stories, but they always seem to be coming up. There always seem to be um, millennial stories that we can work into those, um, stories about young entrepreneurs, stories about uh, you know, kind of qu maybe quirky businesses that are popping up um, because younger people are starting them. So um, I think there's, with that, it's a really interesting way to get story ideas um, that aren't just necessarily your, oh, go cover, you know, go cover the the big company across the street or go cover the, you know, the big energy, the big power plant or anything like that. Um, they're maybe not traditional money stories, but they're interesting and they have a lot to do with money. So if you'd like to get must-read money stories in your inbox every day, you can sign up for our newsletter at businessjournalism.org. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of How to Cover Money. In the next two episodes, we'll be talking with one of the best-known tech journalists in the country, Dan Gilmore. Support for How to Cover Money comes from the Donald W. Reynolds National Center for Business Journalism. Visit our website, businessjournalism.org, sign up for our daily newsletter, Must Read Money Stories, and see all of our features on our website. For Mark Remillard, I'm Mickey Maynard. Now, start thinking like a business reporter.